Hi, I'm Lanny. And I'm Chud X. And this is the world as it is today. Lanny, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Here we're in September in a new schedule and... Uh, yeah, we got a different life than we had last time we talked. Yeah. Uh, talked on here. Right. Yeah, well... <laughs> we don't talk. We don't speak we only, we're recording. Yeah, we're, we only podcast to do all our communications. I think we've covered that before, so people oh, know that's, that we... They already think that's not right. funny. You're, <laughs> yeah, they already <laughs> think that joke wasn't funny last time we made it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, eight-year-old, he's not here. No, he's doing the learning center. So we have from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at home uh, without him, which is like this weird mix of very excited and happy and very, I'm I'm a a little bit in mourning, to be honest. So I would imagine for you, I could tell you what what I feel, but I'm going to, instead of telling what I feel, I'm going to guess what you feel. Oh, that sounds productive. Doesn't that sound great? Well, I would imagine because... You would have these periods of time where I'm at work and you're at home with the two boys. Yes. And there's probably a part of you that gets really tired of, because he's like, say, not allowed to play Minecraft right now, right? Or not allowed to use YouTube or right. whatever. So he wants to tell you in extreme detail, a really extreme detail, maybe even making up details that aren't there, what he has done in Minecraft or what he saw in a video on YouTube three days ago. Yes. And I bet it is a massive relief to, not that we dislike those things. I talk about it on other podcasts all the time too. Like I politely listen to these things, even though I have nothing to contribute to them. Um, uh, I bet it's very nice to have a relief from listening to those things. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be able to do something and think about what I'm doing instead of like doing something and paying attention to the baby and think listening to his story enough that I could contribute or ask more questions so that he feels listened to. Cause sometimes that's when I'll like, if I'm going to lose to my temper, that's at that moment. Right. Like right. something I'm doing goes slightly wrong and it's challenging and I need to use my brain power. You're and I'm just like hot jars from a boiling pot and someone's like, no, 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 no. It looked like this. Look, see, I drew it down on a picture. Uh, I drew a picture of it so you can see. Look, 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 look. Yes. <laughs> like, and yeah, then that's, as, that's the, as the baby or toddler is like riding his little uh, bike into my legs. Well, so what I was thinking of more specifically is if that's happening while, uh, while baby is napping. Yeah. If baby's napping and you are like, cool, now I can pull boiling hot jars out of a pot without having to worry that if it drops, it sucks, but it's not going to scald a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the, that's the time that, uh, that he gets a chance to talk to you. So while he's sleeping, you would, you would theoretically get this time, but instead you're being spoken to. And then, uh, when he's awake, when the baby is awake, you've got previously you had a babysitter. Of sorts. Oh, you, I had a mother's helper, if for you, sure. If you had... Yeah, babysitter. I hate that term. Um, mother's helper is a perfect term for that. Young kid who can't do everything by themselves, but can But be they a big can help be to, in the other room yep. for a few minutes. Um, Entertain the kid, play with them. And so if you had to pull boiling jars out of a, out of a pot in a moment, and you were just like, I can't have the baby here, but it has to happen now, you could say, son, take your brother and... Go upstairs, go outside for for a few minutes, do this or do that, and you would have a few moments to yourself there. Yes. So it's like you're trading off these um, 
Uh, like now, when the baby goes for a nap, you're by yourself. You actually can think. You could read something and not have someone talking at you from the side. You can be doing the jars like I keep describing because that's all you do, right? Right. You should start putting food in those things. (laughs) I'm just moving jars around in boiling water. Oh, yeah. All I've been doing lately has been canning pretty much. Um, So, uh, uh, like, it's kind of this trade-off that now you can get some, some quiet time while the baby's sleeping. But when the baby's awake, you are, it's just you. So still what you're talking about is theoretical because as things happen, sometimes we're into harvest season. Um, our pears are blowing up, blackberries, raspberries, cucumbers, um, potatoes, apples. I mean, I'm forgetting stuff. So we're processing walnuts, walnuts that we're neglecting yet again. Figs on someone else's fig tree. (laughs) Not ours, not our grapes, but so much to do, right? Um, big change in our schedule with the guy to go into learning center. So that puts me at a driving somewhere and, um, twice a day, which I didn't used to have to leave the house unless, you know, I, I needed to. Yeah, you could, you could at moments go a full, like seven days. A full oh, week. easy. Yeah. Without right. going anywhere and not even really thinking about it. Yeah. And, um, so now I'm having to break my day up in that respect and our toddler changed his sleep habits quite abruptly about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so we have not resolved that yet completely. Um, And it has led to him refusing to sleep in a crib. So he now sleeps on a queen size bed in his room. Mm -hmm. And I have to put him to sleep, which I did before, but this it's different and it's, he's calling me in more and it's just, it's a whole break in the new routine. Well, Slide last night down. I was still there until 1230, mm-hmm. three times. So, we, but the night before we had a good, our first good night where he slept solidly from 9 p.m. till 11 a.m. Oh. He's making up for lost time because before that, a few weeks ago, we had a couple nights where he slept only three hours and wouldn't nap and was just like blacked out, belligerent, didn't know what was going on. It was sad. It was really hard to watch. And then I'm also sleep deprived in those moments because I'm up with him consoling him when he's not feeling well like that. And yeah, sure, there was some teeth coming in, but really I think it's just his awareness. And I think we talked about this a little bit already. But what I'm getting at is this big change in the sleep patterns and then the new schedule of having to leave the house um, has been really challenging. Which This is just the first fourth day of the learning center today, right? Mm-hmm. But it's I know it'll level out and it'll become normal. But ideally, like I would have a kid that wakes up at 8 o'clock at the same time as Big Brother and comes with us to drop off Big Brother and then takes a nap at like 11.30 or noon. So is he awake again before I have to leave the house to pick up Big Brother at three? Mm -hmm. But so far what's happened is either he's been up since the butt crack of dawn and won't nap, Mm -hmm. or today and yesterday he isn't awake. So that means, what did I do yesterday? You got home. You went to work really early and got home in time. So I didn't have to wake the baby to take the the eight-year-old. And then today you were here but had a podcast. So it was kind of dicey. Like you might have been interrupted. I I put up the the disclaimer before we hit record that I'm here alone with the baby. So I may have to just hit mute and be gone for up to a half hour. 
Right. So I ran him home uh, to, to the learning center and back, and the baby's still sleeping. And now here we are at 1040 a.m., and the baby's still sleeping, which is great because he needs sleep. More than anything else, I want to make sure he gets enough sleep so that he's a functional member of the family and he can be learning and, and uh, working with us. Um, and then, the but the really big part of it is that, like, if we could get into a better pattern, then he could go to bed at a reasonable time. And, like, we could put the kids to bed and then, like, get to talk to each other before we fall asleep. Sex! <laughs> and maybe sometimes that. <laughs> and, um, you know, like just having some some kind of like connection for a minute before we go to bed like or watching a show together or talking about what I was what we listened to today or whatever just communicate and instead <laughs> it's just this long arduous task of going back in and out of the baby's room for 3 hours to get him to fall asleep and then I'm sleeping really like in a shallow way like I did when he was a newborn because I'm just so like aware of him and making sure I'm not listening to him fall off of the bed or something or um, needing me. So it's been, it's like what I keep reminding myself, and I don't really even need to anymore because I'm, I'm, I'm living like this well that I know that everything is changing all the time and, and we're always growing and developing. And especially you see that when you have a little person in the house, like a yeah. baby changes so rapidly that anytime you're like, Oh, well they have a great sleep routine. It's like, that's funny. Cause tomorrow it's a new routine. Cause they're just changing all the time. You can't really have a lockdown routine. So I know we're going to get back to him going to bed at eight o'clock and, um, waking up at, you know, eight o'clock and taking a good three hour nap during the time that the brother is at the learning center, because Gosh, that sounds glorious. Yeah. Having having a few hours in the morning before anyone wakes up is important to me because mm -hmm. I'm a morning person that likes to just not talk and just get a lot done in that time. Yeah. And it's really satisfying. Like it, the rest of the day could be robbed for me by just taking care of everyone else's needs. If I have that time in the morning to make sure the kitchen's in order. Oh, by the way, my coffee's getting a little low. <laughs> You want me to make you a latte? Yeah, could you do that and I'll take the podcast for a few Okay, minutes it's going to be loud though because we're in the shared area. I'm just going to like... So anyway, people. <laughs> what we're here for today is to talk about what I need to do. And that is defu. Have you ever heard the term defu? Oh wait, am I supposed to be here? Oh wait, I you're we were pretending I, I was to go get a latte. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, so I, I'm familiar with that term and, uh, how, how do you like that for a segue? Yeah. You just interrupted me, cut me off, made sure everyone knows that you don't care about my feelings. And then, and then I say, I want to defoo. And then you want to detach. And if anybody knows what that term is, who's listening, <laughs> yeah. it's even more fucked yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we're tired. Things change all the time. Also why we didn't release a podcast last week, but we're oh, trying yeah, we our best, trying our best here and, um, detach from family of origin. That's what, what defu means. Is what that means. Yeah. And we're not, you're not my family of origin. No. You're my chosen family. We are chosen family. That's You're my that's husband. Uh, but our kids though. They're <laughs> defu for anyone listening who hasn't heard that term, uh, which I kind of hope is most people. Um, if we have some more veterans of the, uh, the freedom community, they might be familiar with it. Um, there's, um, there's, a, there's an old timey, anarchist guy uh and when i say old timey i don't think he still is i've lost complete and total track of what happened to stefan molyneux uh he became a little controversial i think largely 
it, within within our own community, he became controversial for for some white supremacy stuff. I think is what they said. I can't remember, I but I remember know. like Dave Smith had the guy on, and yeah, the Dave Smith got used to have him, him on, and he's Canadian or something. Yep, he's Canadian. Yeah, I never liked him, and we can establish that you never really liked him. Uh, I did. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was taken in by him. Um, he didn't podcast. He made YouTube videos, and it would be him talking uh, very intensely directly at the camera. He's culty. There's a cult. He's he's got these blue eyes, and he stares at you. <laughs> he's like this bald guy. I don't know. You kind of feel like if you were sitting down at a table with this guy, he wouldn't be in quotes, making eye contact with you, but staring through you mm. into the back of your soul or something mm -hmm. like that. Something that if someone looks at me when I'm talking to them like that in real life, I tend to keep at, uh, at a distance because they're trying to get deeper in my head than they should upon meeting me. Mm -hmm. However, this guy's making videos for the internet. He's not, he's, he's, he's assuming that anyone listening to him is wanting them to, wanting him to look deep inside of them and talk. And he asked some questions that were somewhat new to me at the time. Uh, questions that I had definitely asked and asked throughout time, but I was beginning to answer correctly. This was in the time of my, my you might say, Rothbardian awakening. Uh, when I started, uh, when I took anarchism from something that I would have described as a philosophy that could never work to, oh, wait, maybe there's something really, really, really to this. Maybe Ron Paul is in a way an anarchist. And I was very much of the Ron Paul camp. And I started hearing him. He would he would have like an hour-long video of him talking about school shootings like the day that they happened or the day after. And he would ask questions like, could society function without police officers? And he very much thought that they could. He would put together really, really grand, wonderful pictures of why we would not be dealing with the school shooting that just happened if we lived in a free society. And I'm as culty as he might have seemed, he was very inspirational. Like it was very like, oh shit, this guy gets it. This guy gets what I'm trying to get. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get that at the time and he got it. And listening to him in quotes, get it, made me closer to being able to get it myself. Because this is something that you can you can't just say, say oh I read this and now I understand. It's something that takes time of you applying daily situations in your mind. Like what what how is culture actually constructed? And he really helped me break all that down. Uh, that said, I not didn't listen to everything he had to say. I didn't have time. Uh, you'd probably get into he was to he was my Owen Benjamin of that time. Just uh, I still like Owen streams. Benjamin, but I ain't sitting around and listening to Owen Benjamin, if you know what I mean. Like, I just yeah. don't have time for that shit. Uh, and he was very much that uh, at that time. This was before I'd, I... If I knew of Owen Benjamin, it was from TV. When's this? Like 2018? 15 to 18. Okay. We'll say. Something like that. Um, and uh, what? But one of the greatest things is what you brought up. Uh, peaceful parenting. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about peaceful parenting in these school shooting videos or whatever. Like it would be the topic du jour. Um, it would be, uh, you know, uh, the, the dossier on Trump came out and he would be talking about that. But then it would always branch into like these great anarchist talks. 
And a huge part that he would always fall back on was what he referred to as peaceful parenting. And I think that's where you enter is I found a video that was like, yeah, what did you say? Like an hour and a half? Sure. It was like ridiculously long, like all of his videos were, but it was of lower quality than a lot of the ones I'd seen. And we listened to him describe peaceful parenting for an hour and a half and it, it kind of sucked. I gained nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was like we never got to what he was going to talk about. Well, except he, I, we did because I had listened to him talk about it here and there. I'd put it together myself, right. what it was he was talking about. And then we listened to him talk about it and it was like, what? And then I explained what he was talking about. Like what I had, not necessarily what he was, because he was just giving real specific examples with him and his daughter. And it was like, ah, I don't know, this isn't. This isn't instructional or anything. It mm-hmm. was it was not that great of a talk. But then I started explaining to you what I thought that he meant. And you were like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, peaceful parenting. It is exactly what those words sound like. You're peaceful and you parent. You don't. He, he was big on not locking children in rooms. Right. Um, he was big on absolutely, positively, never, ever, ever raise the hand, never hit them, um, and, and work with children and their own abilities. Realistically, everything he had to say when you distill it all down was what you'll learn about, um, unschooling Mm -hmm. plus don't ever fucking hit them, which is implied in my opinion in the unschooling. It's just not directly addressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did directly address it, address it because he thought that there were a lot of people who had been abused. A lot of, lot of people out there, and I agree with them. I think a lot of children throughout time have been abused physically. And specifically, I mean, um, with, with pain. I mm-hmm. know that there's other physical abuse that's, that's traumatizing in an equal and possibly greater way. But just teaching through, through pain, through yeah. hitting. Um, and that that fucked us all up. And he came up with this term, uh, foo. It was family of origin. Do you, are you sure he came up with that term? No, me, not at all. Me neither. But that's the first time we heard it. He started turning out this term. Yeah. I started hearing this term from talking about your foo, your family of origin. And he would talk about how your family of origin may not be good. Yeah. Uh, he's not saying that they're not good. And this is where a lot of people have a lot of criticism about him being a cult leader because he would break you down and say that your family means nothing to you. Yeah. So basically it wouldn't be that your family is inherently bad because they're your family, but it would be because you need to look at the person and how they value you and how you work with them. And if they're not helping you be a better person, then they might not need to be in your life, regardless of if they're blood or not. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it comes down to, if you were being raped or beaten by your father, then your father, who is your father of origin, yeah, is not your family. They're, that you should detach from that. That you should. You should make food. a choice to to say this is person is not worth me supporting or using right. or taking care of. And now that's not an option for a little child. That's not that's not an option for our baby who's napping right now. Mm-hmm. If I was a dick and an abusive dad, he couldn't, A, he couldn't identify that, that I am those things. And B, if he could identify it, 
what's he going to do? <laughs> you know, yeah. walk down the street? Is he going to pack a bag? And that'd be the cutest thing you've ever seen. But as an in a diaper. You would have the bindle on a stick, obviously. Oh, sure. But um, if what, it, what the point is, is that when you become an adult and you understand these things, if you see these things happening, then there's no, you should have no obligation to, to still be part of someone's life that you don't feel is benefiting you or even more so that is hurting you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, my... My takeaway from all of my time with Stefan Molyneux is I can I can leave just about everything he had to say. Uh, not that I disagreed with him about police officers, not that I disagreed with him about organization of culture and society, but there are better people that have talked about all of those things in greater detail. But I've never heard anyone else talk about the idea of how, at least not in our circle, I haven't heard anyone, that meaning people within our circles uh whether or not your family of origin is of importance and i guess we kind of hit on it on our episode that we tell that's a family Uh um because we kind of express that there are situations where the single parent like we talked briefly about like a a gay couple being able to have a, a a child and as long as there's enough love and all of that kind of stuff then that's what's important and that's essentially what I see the defu as uh, what's what's most important I I think that the time that someone should even begin to evaluate whether or not they defu is when you have kids sure because then you foo yeah. then then you have your your family of origin then you have well you have a family you have your chosen family so your spouse and then you have your family of origin beginning anew would be you having your kids. Right, right. And if you have an abusive father, do you feel that it's important that your child, that's now your child, you're not a non-abusive father, do you think it's important to expose your child to the abusive father? No. Um, there are circumstances where that might be important because maybe the abusive father is learning his ways and it isn't until he sees his grandchild and he has some distance from his own family of origin that he created that he realizes his wrongdoings you know there's there's a million ways to look at this but there are bad people out there who raise children terribly and i don't think that we as any individual should feel more connected to our family of origin than the people who we actually love and who actually love us right so it it, to move from that so then the next the time I really dug into this term was because we found a documentary. I think it was called the dark web. Yep. And it was like a documentary series. series. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it, I don't remember what it was on. Maybe BBC or something. I think it was an, uh, an uppercase, uh, uppercase. (laughs) Um, Oh, what do you call it? The uh, pay a premium station. Oh, okay. You had to pay for it. So we we like found it on YouTube or something when we were in a hotel. We saw it in a hotel. Yeah. So, um, we watched a documentary and it goes into Stefan Molyneux as he would be a cult leader type. And it interviews this girl who was swept into his like online forum and encouraged to detach from her family of origin. And it goes through her like repenting of that. You know, she was in her early twenties, stopped talking to her parents and her parents were worried about her. And it goes, you know, it goes back and forth interviewing the parents being worried about her, not her, not talking for them to, for like a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, Anyway, I thought it was kind of funny because it wasn't really that bad. Like her parents weren't that bad. It was kind of like she was a spoiled brat and 
and she decided not to talk to her parents. And then they made a documentary about how it was because of a cult leader, which is probably why she would have stopped talking to her parents and why she's a spoiled brat is because her parents found a way to make an excuse for her behavior by blaming it on a cult leader. So I don't know if that's me just being kind of critical. Well, well, you know, there would be criticism, um, would be warranted and is warranted. I'm not defending Stefan Molyneux from any claims that that documentary made because I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I've never, I've never been involved in his program. I've just clicked on his videos on YouTube. And while I, I understand why you think some of his anarchist messages were good, I also know that he became a Trump supporter at some point yep. after that. And he's just like, overall, like, I don't need, it doesn't matter. But my, my gut feeling when I first heard him speak was that this guy's full of hot air and he's trying to sell me something. I don't like him. Sure. And that's why I'm, I'm about to say like the criticism would be, is, is like 100%, uh, uh, valid if he uh, fuck fuck him I don't care about him yeah. I just used him as the catalyst for this uh, I don't think that anyone is right if they're telling you to defoo from your family because your family are statists yeah which maybe that's what he was doing and maybe that's why that that documentary comes in you know maybe he's saying hey if you think that the earth is flat and you're and you're come from a family that believes in the globe, then you should defoo. You should you they believe in aliens and you don't, or that you do and they don't. You know, like so, silly shit like so that. So I think that what happened was there was an online forum and the people in the forum, maybe even more so than him himself, were kind of taking his philosophies and supporting each other, this is air quotes, mm-hmm. into like not talking to their parents. So if you're leaving your blood family who's not physically abusive to you or even emotionally abusive to you for online friends that you just met, that's probably not a good move. Oh, I, I, I would say no. But Don't do that. let's move away from this online forum and let's move away from stuff on Molyneux and just take what we actually took away from all of that, which was yes. this concept called the defu. You know, the idea of choosing to de- to detach from your family of origin because of something the dynamic is not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And there's people we know and care about that you know either don't talk at all or don't or speak very little to their parents. Mm-hmm. And, and I, at first, like long before hearing this term thought that that was a really bad idea. You hadn't, you, no one likes their family. You got to talk to them. You just got to work through it. That's not, that's not the case. It's not the case. If they keep you just in a not. place where you can't grow, if you can't change because you're stuck in your, their eyes, they treat you like you were a teenager and they, look down on you and everything you say is they have something negative to say about it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for you to move past that. Then it might be a better idea for you to, to minimally like not see them on a daily basis, not sure. update them. Maybe, maybe you have a private um, Facebook page so you, you can, you know, I have fuck Facebook, but if you're into that, say sharing on social media, maybe do that in a way where they're not, their eyeballs aren't on it. You can express yourself and they're not going to be And there's not a comment from aunt whoever to down telling you your hair looks bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this goes outside of parents. We've made it seem like it's just a parents thing. There's also no, aunts and siblings, uncles. aunts and uncles, siblings, cousins. you know, like an example I think of, of a, of a toxic relationship within the family of origin is say you got two brothers. This is, you, you might recognize who I'm talking about. Maybe not though. Uh, you got two brothers. One of them is a kind hearted person who does everything that anyone, especially his family of origin would ever ask him to do. While the other brother is a criminal 
And that brother is in and out of jail all the time. And that brother is about to go to jail again. And he says to his brother, I'm going to be going away for a long time if they catch me at this moment in time. You would only do three years. So you would only have to leave your children and your wife for three years. But I'd be leaving my children and wife for 25 years. Of course, he's already divorced and his kids hate him and all that kind of stuff. But the brother's like, okay, I've got to do what I've got to do because this is my brother and blood above everything else. Right. And that's terrible. That's not... That is someone taking advantage of... That, that, that brother, in this case it was the older brother, is taking advantage of his little brother. He's manipulated his little brother throughout time. It's like serial killer kind of shit, except he's not killing people. He's just doing drugs uh, and stealing cars and crap yeah, like that. Right. Um, but he convinces the guy who like works all the time and has no money because he's always giving his money away to like his brother for drugs because he can't say no, you know, like this is, this is a bad situation. Those brothers need to be separated and there's only one of them that wants to be separated. One of them wants the older brother wants the younger one to be his fall guy. Yeah. So he needs to be able to recognize this situation and defoo. Well, it's like um, you want to keep giving chances, like especially to your kids. Like I think my my family, friends, and watching people struggle with their kids and addiction, and and with addiction, oftentimes comes uh, unfa- undesirable behaviors like stealing from people that you care about. So, like, how many chances do you give? to somebody to come stay in your house again when they always just steal your car, wreck your place, burn it down, whatever, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. destruction and waste without ever effort. And it's, that's a hard, hard, um, thing to answer. But I, and I, I wouldn't even begin to try to answer that for anyone else. What I would say that is that if you yourself are trying to be a better person, maybe a better person than you were raised to be even, which I hope we all are trying to be better than we were raised to be and to raise our kids better than we, mm-hmm. we are so that they can try to be better people than we are. That's the goal. Um, if that you would just look inside yourself and say, you know, I don't need to continue to force these relationships. I don't have to have family dinner at my parents' house every Sunday. If I just take the next four days to try to recover from how bad I feel about myself after being around them, or if they're draining me financially because they won't work and take care of themselves, you know, that whatever, if that's your cousin or your brother or whatever, mm-hmm. or even a best friend that you've had since you were a kid, you know, that's not so much the family of origin, but it can feel like it if you've been family friends with someone since you were little and you have that kind of loyalty to them. Yeah. You know, as we're talking, I'm starting to realize that there there's a side of this that I've never particularly thought about, but of course it goes hand in hand. I feel like it's so obvious that you shouldn't need to say it when we're this far into the conversation, but just as you should be able to defoo if needed, you should be able to de chosen family, D C F. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you, if you start a chosen family, if you, you're, if you, if you, if you have like, we'll say like a freedom cell, uh, of, of friends who are really close and it all seems like you guys always will always have each other's backs. If you start seeing that not work out like that, it's better to get away from that than to be stuck in that. Go yeah. find a better family of origin. Or, I mean, it's the same idea as if you've, your chosen family would be your... Chosen family. Your, I said your, go find a better yeah. family of origin. That's not possible. Um, but your chosen family would be your spouse. And, and then there's 
there is a time and a place where divorce makes the most sense. And I don't like that. And I think that our society has made that way too easy so that it makes it just so people don't want to try as hard and so that people don't look at the commitment as, as strongly. It's like, well, yeah, but we'll just have the prenup and just work it out if it doesn't work out. Well, that's not ever how I looked at marriage. But maybe it was before I met you. You sure. know, like I was just like, well, people fucking get married and they get divorced and you just like choose somebody you decide you say you're going to say you love and then you just take care of them and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was not a healthy perspective. And that changed a lot when I met you. Um, but I think that how do we reconcile that this feeling that we think that detaching from your family of origin can be appropriate at times when we ourselves are promoting this idea of yeah. traditional families. So that's where I want to get into this new term that I just made up. Okay, just now? Just now. You haven't told in, me in, that. In, 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 since the last time I spoke. Okay. We need to kifu. <laughs> we need to keep our family of origin. Okay. As the father. Right? So say I have. We'll say that I have defood. I haven't. From your spouse from, or kids or... No, from my family from of your origin. Parents. This would be my... Ch- oh, yeah. You I'm, would be I'm my the chosen, chosen family. Right. And then below us is our family, our family The new of family origin. of origin that you've... Cr- yeah. That we've created, mm-hmm. right? So, so let's say we've both defood. From our parents. Like... And your, brother, your sister, whatever. Your dad raped whatever. you and my parents twisted me up, right? So we're, we're both really fucked up from our families and we've totally defood. Now, that's not the case with us, but if that was... I've, I've half defood. Yeah. You know? There, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, it doesn't seem like an all or nothing kind of a thing. No, it's, you, you pick what's toxic and you have to remove it from your life. Yeah. Right. So, but let's just, just for, for sake of picture here for the Kifu, uh, talk that I'm about to say, let's say we've both completely and totally detached from our dysfunctional fucked up families. Okay. And we're, we're, we find each other. It's love. It's beautiful. We express that. And that creates a child. Now we have started our family of origin. And we need to keep K-E, uh, the family <laughs> of origin. Who. Okay, all right. We need to now... Now your focus is now on your your new family of origin. Yes, your, your us children. The, we're the yeah. top dogs. Yeah. And we're looking down at the new family of origin that is... Because we've defooed, it starts anew. Right? It's a new foo. <laughs> <laughs> We are so bad God at damn this. It. <laughs> no one is listening at this point. Uh, but if you, but you have to, it's, it's, but this is really, really, really important is that as you grow your family, you should keep in mind, I, I, I'm not saying you, whatever, you're listening, you're listening, but I'm speaking for myself. I believe that you should defoo if it's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it is my responsibility to do everything in my abilities to make sure that my children don't defoo. They don't because I'm telling them. I'm not. I'm not necessarily telling them, but I will in time. That defooing is important. That yeah. you need to be able to leave your family of origin, and you don't want to give the keys to that car to someone who's going to be like, what? You're just my dad and that's all. And that's the way you see it in the world. So I can go start my own family and not have anything to do with you. I'm out of here. So your point is that you need to be the best dad and husband that you can be so that the people that you're caring for will want to be around you. Yes. Yeah. And if all of us did that, 
then none of us would need to leave our families. Yes. Because we would be good people. The the goal here isn't to tell everyone, yeah, just do food and like build your own families. So it doesn't even matter. You know, like I'm trying to say, if you need to defood, I think that I encourage that. And I encourage as well, if say if say if we have someone come into our lives who has defood, uh, maybe even like not by choice, their their parents have died, they don't have any family. They never got married and they don't have any family, but they're a good person and we become friends with them. Maybe we bring them into our family. Right. And by that, I mean they're here for all of the holidays and maybe even our kids refer to them as uncle or aunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like that they're, they're, we all have people who we say they're a close family friend. You know, like having close yeah. family friends be genuinely a part of your family. You know, like I would like to think that we're working our way towards Adam and Emily are part of our family. Sure. Um, I would like to think that there are people in our freedom cell that we're working towards being in a family. Yeah. That that then our kids know that we're cool with other people having left their family. And that it's we leave this as an open option for them to leave our family. That That is always there. The free will... The choice is always there, <laughs> but we're, but they would never think of it. That's the goal. That's, yeah. that's the inspiration. That's what I really end up at the end of the day, you know, a decade later. That's what I got from Stefan Molyneux. Right. Yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's tricky because there's so many nuances, um, about what could be considered like abusive and, and it's, it's like, I almost don't like to use that word, but for what I mean, um, parents can be pick at you in a way where other people can almost not even see it. And it like just crushes your soul. And I'm really aware of that. And it's hard for me at times because I'm like, am I doing that to my kid without even realizing it? Sure. And I think that there are times where I am and I don't like that. And I'm trying to figure out how to not, not do that and always... Give him the benefit of the doubt, even though they're two and eight or almost, you know, if I'm going to say two, then I'm going to say two, nine. Two and nine. We're almost at two and nine here. So even if they're two and nine, that I'm still treating them with the respect that they deserve because they're full human beings. They just have less experience than us, less time here than us, that they get the benefit of the doubt to be able to do things and be able to do them better the next time. And I feel like parents often, and I think maybe it's a societal thing, that has encouraged it, that you're critical of your kid and you want to tell them how they're going to fail before they fail to like prevent them from failure. And it's like, parents are like, Oh, you can't do that. You're going to fall right on your head. And then as you get older, you're like, are you sure that's a good idea? Do you, do you really want to get married? I'm sure you'll end in, it'll end in divorce. Mm-hmm. Or, um, do you think that's a good move, um, to, to take that job? You know, this one over here is better or people will think this about you. That's, that's, um, that's you're, you're going to go into welding. Don't you know that elevator uh, construction pays better? Right. So do you think that you need to detach from those people? Well, I don't think so necessarily. But I think in a way, if you remove yourself from caring about their opinion to protect yourself from that so that you can be true to yourself and live in a way that will make you happy. So for instance, like we're homesteading. Let's just pretend for a second that you had parents that thought that it would be better if we had a um, fully functional row crop, monocrop farm 
Yeah, let's well, pretend that. <laughs> let's pretend that um, I had a mom uh, that, or I had parents that thought that I should be working full time because uh, it's pretty weird to not mm-hmm. be working because um, everybody works now. Because your you're mom being lived lazy. through first wave feminism and she knows that uh, you're not fully a woman unless you're leaving your children at home and working full time right. and smoking cigarettes. But Virginia <laughs> Slims. <laughs> my mom did not go back to work until, you know, my younger brother is a lot younger than me, like over five years. And she didn't go back to work until he was into, into kindergarten, at least like he was six. So that means that she was a stay at home mom for like 12 or 13 years. Mm-hmm. And she never talks about how that was a problem. <laughs> oh, when are you thinking you're going to get back to it? Huh? When are you going to get back, get, get back to it? And uh, I don't know the answer to that. And sometimes I feel like I, I want to be in a way like my our bank account tells me that it would be cool if both of us were working. Sure. But then that's like so low on my list. Yeah. Of things that are important to me. I I like money. Don't get me wrong. I like money. I like money. <laughs> I like chicks. If there's anybody else, I'm looking for someone else who likes the same has same interests. I like me. chicks and money you too. Be a pen pal or something. <laughs> um. No, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. I like money as well, but you know, here I am. I'm I'm working. I'm back up to five days a week. You know, that was fun while it lasted of having three days off, but um, that's done, and um, I'm bummed. Um, and you know, as far as my face at work goes, I'm like, yeah, cool, because I like money. Yeah. You know, I I like my job security. I want. To prove to them always that I'm the guy who can pick up the pieces and and be there and make sure that things function when there's difficult times. So my job security is wonderful because I'm willing to do that. But I'm also I'm bummed because, man, having this little extra time, you know, even if it only lasted a month, what was it, maybe two months? Yeah, it was like six weeks max. Yeah, like it was was amazing. I did so many things that I wouldn't have done otherwise and... There's this part of me that is like, because all those things were pretty much fun. Yeah. If if I kept this and it became the norm, I wouldn't always be doing fun stuff and it would be just that much more productive. And then I think, man, if I could take, if I could, if I could get all the way to where I only work three days and, you know, continue on. If I got to where I don't work anymore. Then you could be doing so much more think, for the homestead. Think about what our, what our world would be like if if you and I were both here all day, every day. Yeah. And that feminism idea of a woman needing to go back is diminishes the value of what housework actually is and d- diminishes the value of the home in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And D- um, honestly, it diminishes the value of the woman herself and the family and the, yes. yeah, Everything. all of it. Everything. And so it's, it's telling the lady that it's, it, you're, you're a disappointment if you stay home and you're lazy and you're not doing anything. And sure, there's variations. We've seen people in our lives that stay home and their parents or their kids go to school for seven hours a day and they don't clean their house and there's piles of garbage everywhere. Um, That's not a house. That's not a housewife or a house mom or a housekeeper. That's a a, house. That's just that person (laughs) is a house. Just a blob. Like you, there's there's a variation there. So you have to see like. Do you think that people need to nudge at me to when I'm going to go back to work? Because I think I'm working. 
Yeah, like, you're definitely I'm working. pretty much working. Like pretty much. Yes. No, you are full on working. <laughs> I have a full, at least you one full time job. You're not punching a clock, and you're not getting paid. Sometimes I fantasize your... about that, just being like the baby's like mid cry, and I just go over and I put my code in to to the time clock, and, it, and everything just, just stops. Yeah. And I can just like oh, take my shoes off and like lay down. You one of those well, stopwatches, like. Uh... They had in Twilight Zone where yes. you click it and just everything stops. I know. I would just, just take, take a, a nap. nap and then maybe take a shower and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. then like, sweet. Like, and then undo it and then just be like, all right, let's yeah. back to it. You right. Know? So um, it's it's it, it's it's more challenging in a but, lot of ways because of that. But yeah, do you need to nudge this person that's being as productive as they are and providing so much value to their family? If we wanted to live the same lifestyle we live now with me at work, I would need to pay more than I make at work to be able to pr- to have that. Here's the situation where you would want to nudge. Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not trying to because you no no you don't need to nudge because we have enough dollars to pay to be where we're at. Yes. Right. But um, single mom mm-hmm. in an apartment mm-hmm. and the apartment is saying we're going to evict you if you don't come up with uh, I don't know what's rent three hundred bucks uh, what people pay these days. <laughs> You don't come up with put a one before that, <laughs> before the end of the month, um, then she might need a nudge because then that single mother say she's got a good family of origin who says, "Hey, we'll give you three hundred dollars. You know, you can do this." And they pay her rent for a few months, um, and then they might start needing to get some nudges to say, "Hey, how are you going to start? Oh, sure, providing for yourself. Sure. And we know that you're providing really well for the baby." If they're, again, a really good family of origin, they might say, what we could do is come over and and stay at your place or bring the baby to our place. Or really, like a good family where everyone's working. Why are you living in an apartment? Come yeah, and stay with us. Right. But right. you have, you've, you've seen people in our lives and that the, there's one, it's one-sided. One person blames everyone else and they never take responsibility. And then the other part of the family takes care of them. And it's... A drain on the family emotionally and um, financially and when that happens it's well within reasonable that the parents would set limits to the point where they may have to just cut off a kid and I, I don't think that happens overnight no there needs to be there would be overnight. limits in place and like you know uh, multiple ways of trying to give them a head start a leg up a helping hand but if that person refuses to do anything for themselves, they're not deserving of just being taken care of. No. And I think that that's, um, that's challenging because it is, it can be ruining to the family dynamic to watch that, that person just be taken care of. And it's not fair to the other family members who don't get that same care and concern from yes. the family. And it's, I'm not just talking about dollars. I'm just talking about energy and thought that goes into it as well. So you just reminded me of a new way that I've looked at defooing too, or another, I said new, but uh, a way that I haven't mentioned that I've thought about before of defooing, which is uh, the parents yeah. defooing their kid. Yeah. Um, we've, we've both dealt with, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have dealt with um, people who are drug addicts in their life. And um, hopefully they're not your own family because I don't wish that upon anyone. Um, but maybe you've seen it from a distance. Maybe it is your family. And it's, uh, there's, there's no way to cut it that I don't see that as sad. But we, I'm sure we've all seen someone who 
is a drug addict who keeps going back to their parents every time they're broke. Their parents give them money and let them stay there. And they go out and blow it on drugs. And they're letting them stay there. And they use all their drugs. And then they steal everything from the home that's worth a dollar. And then they go and they sell it. And then they don't see them for six months or a year. And then they come back and they welcome them back in. We've kind of talked about that type of cycle on the world as it is today in right. the past. Yeah. And that is a place where a parent may need to make what I would think, for me, that would be the hardest decision ever yeah, yeah, to choose to defood. Yep. And I, I, I've actually genuinely been mad at people for treating their kids that way. Yeah. Uh, kids that are my age, kids that are my peers. And I hear what they're saying and I'm mad at their parents who I've never met because I hear that this is what's happening. I've seen it firsthand where I do know the parents. Mm -hmm. I've, I, that, that situation is more freaking common than you could ever want to know. Yeah. But then you see the alternative of the ones that are enabling really negative behavior in their kids mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that and in, in overdose. Yes. And, and, oh, and I, sure. I don't know if it would have been different if they would have gotten cut off, but might've been worse. It definitely didn't help. You didn't save them just by enabling them over and over and over again. If you enable, if you don't enable them and they do that, well, at least you, Oh God, this sounds horrible. At least you weren't harmed in the process. Of course you're harmed. You just lost a child. Yeah. But Hey, at least you didn't go broke doing it. Yeah. I know that sounds like a petty, um, you know, door prize, a con consolation prize. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, um, it sucks, but hey, at least you made the right decisions for your, because then, then if you have other siblings who weren't drug addicts, they can use that money to actually better well, their and, lives. And it, less about money, but more about the energy that it goes into yeah, it. If, yes. if they're draining you and hurting you emotionally over and over and over again and hurting probably the siblings as well. And the siblings are upset with the parents for watching them put all their energy and time into this one kid that's not deserving of it. And who's now an adult who's not deserving of it and isn't going to try. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a hard decision to make, but I think there is a time and a place. And I think that Binding yourself to people that hurt you just because their blood is a not a, a good way to be. And if we want to get back to the traditional family like we keep talking about, it's all about what you said. Now you being the best parent that you can be so your kids will want to be around you when they're adults mm -hmm. and want to have you be there to help their kids as they're growing up. And that's that's where we spread this good side of it from, right? But in to be able to do that, in our lives, we've had to separate some from people that are blood relatives of us. Yep. And we've had to do things like we don't share certain things with our families because it's not really for them. And I, I don't want my mom to listen to every episode of this podcast and then tell me why I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't want, um, um, I don't want our, you know, a distant relative that doesn't know me well to think that they can comment on whether or not I'm working or staying home. I don't want to put myself in that position to have that kind of feedback that's negative. Um, and better yet, I want to continue to work on myself to be have a hard enough exterior or a flexible enough exterior that I can protect myself from that kind of criticism when it does happen. Yeah. Because some some something about family that's known you since a kid can it just cuts like a knife. Well, it's those toxic relationships with them that I I, I use that word. I I hate like toxic 
masculinity and stuff like that. But I think it's a fairly good way to describe relationships. Relationships can become toxic yes. or it's bad for mm-hmm. everyone involved. Um, and, you know, I don't share with my family that I do this. That's why I go by Chud X instead of my real name. And I'm close with my family, mm-hmm. I'll say. But I also have a very toxic relationship with them. So my form of defooing is um, just keeping that relationship as untoxic as possible. Is that right? Untoxic? Mm-hmm. Uh, as toxic free <laughs> as possible? Yeah. Um, and what fuels my family's toxic relationship with me more than anything is politics, is conspiracy, um, f- discussing family, being open and honest. Any is kind one of current of the events? Yeah, any kind of any time you try to hold someone accountable or speak honestly, it's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't go well. It does not go well at all. So, if I were to, as my as my instinct is, because I have the instinct of like, I want my dad to be proud of me. He's an intellectual guy that's real smart, and you know, like. I got this podcast. I think if he, I think if, I do believe this. If he listened to this and like took everything in, he would be like, "Oh shit! I never gave my son any credit." And he's actually, he actually thinks because he thinks of me as being very inactive in the mind. You might say, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what would happen. Unfortunately, every time I do try to, the reason he think he's able to think that about me is because anytime I start to speak on things that make me look smart. <laughs> Um, well, it's things that you actually have thought about a lot. Things that I put a lot of thought into. He wants to fight me. He wants to tell me that I'm a very, very, very bad person for thinking. And um, by inviting him on to listen to this podcast, I'm inviting him into to just like, to- hey, why don't you totally, why don't we totally destroy our relationship? Yeah, can you just tear me down to the point where I want to yell at you? Yeah, and it's the same. I also have like a distant aunt that um that uh is in the same same boat she's lovely i i'm great friends with her in a certain sense but she is a biden blue pill democrat uh that goes way beyond anything deborah has ever been and know-it-alls and And that's the difference uh, because deborah is i don't know anything these people are that i've i've gone to school and i've done my time and i know it all Mm -hmm. and for me watching this come about because when we first got together I was really encouraging you to be connected to your family like more like we should be seeing them all the time yeah and it took me a while we're in in close proximity right it took me a while to realize that might not be the best thing for us yeah and I didn't realize how that would be because then I thought it needed to be tell them to fuck off and never talk to them again Mm -hmm. and I found that it doesn't necessarily have to be the case being here to be helpful to them when they need something feels really good yes and um they if if we could train them to rely on us that would probably feel good too Mm -hmm. um so so being close and being there to help them but not getting letting yourself getting sucked into conversations that don't actually really matter and are going to just end up hurting you or the other person Mm -hmm. um is really important and like for me I see my mom all the time. She comes over all the time. We're, we're in touch. Um, she has started to kind of help me process fruit for the canner, which has actually been really, really, really good for us. Um, while she's working with her hands, she's less critical of what I say. So I've, I've gotten some things out without her shutting down, mm-hmm. which has been kind of rad. Um, 
There's also this phenomenon with my mother, which is really interesting. If I'm ever in a situation where I'm, she's there and I'm talking to someone else uh, deeply about something that I believe or philosophies. She hears you better. She hears me from far away and she'll randomly come over and whisper to me. She's, you are so smart Mm -hmm. or something really basic like that, where I want to be like, ah, fuck you. (laughs) Get out of here lady. But instead I'm like, you know, it's just interesting because that just happened when we were at the water slides the last time. And I was talking to my cousin's kid who had a lot of questions and anarchy came up and like government. And like, Mm -hmm. so I was kind of went off more honestly than I felt like I even should have with the people around than you ever would with his father. Yeah. Or mom or yeah, Yeah. with my cousins. Um, but I, I, I'm doing that and she's just says how smart I am. And I'm like, that's so funny because if I've tried to have this conversation with you before and you're like, what about the roads? And, 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 and it's just, see, you I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to take away your, what you're on and all, but you just like, the reason I want my dad to hear me on a podcast someday is because I feel like that would be the case. Yeah. Me. Like one removed from that dialogue of looking at you and, and want, and just, it's like, um, uh, your parent almost is, is just waiting to correct you. Right. Like your whole life has been them just correcting, correcting, correcting. So they're just like looking for the, where they can correct you. But if you remove them from the conversation, and they're just overhearing it, which in the case of a podcast would be that, right? Yeah. Then then they can take time to appreciate. Oh wow, this is their own, this is a person that doesn't need correct. They exist on their own. They have their own opinions and thoughts, and they sound like they are intelligent enough. You know. Yeah, I think if my dad say were to discover Deborah gets red pilled, and he would be like, "What? That's my son. Pfft, he shouldn't be talking to people about shit. He's got everything backwards. Let me listen to this." And he'd like listening and be like, oh, well, damn, he's actually, you know, I might disagree with him, but hey, he's actually like holding his own in conversations. I didn't know he could do that. And he'd probably listen to uh, 10 of them in time, maybe not in a row. And by the 10th one, he'd be like, fuck my son. I fucking hate my son. <laughs> he is the, he's, he is, he actually speaks well and he's telling people poisonous, toxic ideas. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. See, like now he thinks I'm stupid and what little I say in reinforces that. Yeah. People who believe in conspiracy theories are stupid. Yeah. They're stupid. Like my son who he thinks the world's flat cause he doesn't realize that we have photographs of the earth, you know, <laughs> but then if he really were to actually hear me, he'd be like, going, Oh what? We don't have photographs. Okay. 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 Fuck you. Don't tell me there's no photographs. Well, yeah, you're you going to get to that wall where they don't want to, the cognitive dissonance or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 my mom's not a deep thinker. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's more a Deborah. No, she is not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she's more of a Deborah in the fa- fact that she's like, I, 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 something about chemtrails came up once and she, finally she was just, I think I was mentioned this on the show before. She was like, I know you're probably right, but I just don't want to think about it. I just want to go about my day and do my thing. And that's just that. Yeah. Okay. Well, your, your parents are, or your dad is more of a, uh, I, I have to be right all the time. I already know things. I've already studied this. I have I to be send ahead you of you. Articles for days telling you that they're contracts. And then, like, if you make a point, and he ref- deflects it so hard, there might be three days later where he comes back. Actually, I learned that this and this and this was right, and he somehow saying it in a way where he still doesn't ex- ex- fact check partially correct. But he doesn't tell you you were right. He says he knows more. It's partially correct. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. You weren't even, it's like not about you. It's about him knowing more and wanting to give you this new information, yeah. even if it's the information you were already trying to give him. Sure. It's like, there's just certain people that are stubborn. And does this mean that like on day one, you go, oh, my dad's a dick. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. No. That's what, that's what our youngest did. Um, though <laughs> 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 so he's just not talking yet. He'll yeah. start getting words. He'll talk no, to I'm you kidding. eventually. I'm kidding. Um, I was like, who? And for it took me a second, but it, it's like, um, you, you give yourself a, a chance to try to really work through things with people. And if they just aren't willing, it's just maybe how many times are you going to just bang your head against a wall? And why do you want to like get in a place where you might yell and say something that you regret or you feel bad about or hear something that you feel bad about? Just don't put yourself in that position. It's not worth your time. There's better things to be doing. And, and so like for me, finding a way to have a relationship with my mom and my dad has been challenging at times, but really worth it because they, 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 they deeply care about me and they love me. And I know that about them. I, I and I know that when there's times where I can tell my mom is not open and she's already on edge. And those are the times that I shouldn't spend time with her, that I should say, let me know if you need anything. Here's some broth to take home. I'll see you another day. Because those are the days where we can like get into it on some, on nothing and just like argue with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and I don't like that. I don't like how I sound when I talk to her like that. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's not good. It's not, no, like I always say to our kid, I said, no one looks cool when they're angry. And then he's like, but what about people fighting? Like UFC fighters aren't angry. They're like determined, right? You know, they're in it. They're like, they're not angry. When you get angry, you lose control. You look like an idiot. So it's kind of the same thing. If you're like yelling and snotty things to your parents, you just look like an asshole. When you feel like an asshole, it doesn't feel good. So the point of things would be to just be, um, you know, there for them if they need it and remove yourself from those meaningless conversations that aren't going to go anywhere anyway. Yeah. So that you can survive, you know, knowing them. <laughs> and with that, change your traditions around holidays. Like we talked about that. I, I felt our episode uh, was really good when we... Um, what was it moving from winter into spring or something like that? Mm -hmm. And we talked about traditions and Christmas and seasons changing, and creating your own and creating your own. And that's, that's really has been so important to yeah. my mental health Yeah, is that we're creating our own traditions around holidays so that we don't get roped into ones that we don't like that. You can tell the other people don't like either, but they're like, I love Christmas. That's my favorite holiday. There's 643 days left until Christmas. Of there's, this. there's that many days. <laughs> and then on that, on, on Christmas Eve, we go to grandma's house and we do this and, and we eat and, this and, and, and we, this we wear food. this and we listen to this. And because you had one Christmas when you were seven, that was that good. Was magical. Yeah. And now you're just trying to recreate that and you're 43 years old. Uh, it starts being kind of sad. Yeah. Especially if you have a fan, if you're the top down of a family of origin, like we've been talking, yep. you want to create, you want to create those traditions that your kids are going to say, I could never leave my family. Right. You want to create that for them, which is not going to be the same. If you try to do the same thing that was perfect for you, it ain't perfect for your kids. Or if it is, that's like a weird synchronicity. Yeah. But, um, otherwise it's like, no, you do what you can tell you are going to like and what your kids are going to like. And you're going to create the magical moment of Christmas morning being a wonderful time. 
where you don't even mention Santa Claus. Yeah. How about just not trying to force things, you yeah. know? Maybe not everybody's feeling great. It, just like let it be low. Let it be a family movie. Let it make popcorn. I don't know. Don't mm -hmm. decorate a tree. Put up a bush. Put Christmas lights on one of your houseplants. Like there's... We've we've changed every year. It hasn't have a been crimbus the same. bush. Keep have, it tight, compact, and moist. Yes, your crimbus bush is really important to remain moist. <laughs> um, so, what is it, Mister Winter? Hmm. The Winter Man. The Winter Man will come and leave you presents. Um, so, I, I don't know. Like the traditions that families create um, can, in this day and age, seem to just cause stress and be about commercialism. I think the traditions of old would have been around what you've preserved and what you've set aside to be ready for these special occasions. Like you, you've like, you've got this salt cured meat that you started. It's going to be ready. You know what I mean? Like the sauerkraut needs to be eaten. Um, this, um, this fruit pie filling that you made is ready for, for these berry pies that you're going to make in the middle of winter and the house is going to smell glorious. You know, that kind of stuff. That makes sense to me. Um, and, and, and treating yourself really well. Um, but like being obsessed about how many presents you got and what kind of wrapping paper there are. And if your, your decorations look good and I don't know, it's, it's shit. And that, that transfers over to the rest of life with your family too. Are you going through the motions doing stuff that you don't like because you think you're supposed to? Well, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Then you're not being honest to your own self. Right. So be honest to yourself, but don't be an asshole. And don't, you don't have to burn bridges. Just pull no. back and save your I, I, energy for I the good things. I highly recommend, as much as I might recommend defooing, which I'm not specifically to anybody, but um, if there is a situation where you do need to defoo, like you might say that I've defooed mm -hmm. in a sense, but I've done it in a way that, again, we're in close proximity yeah. and I have a good relationship with everybody, but I had to bring it down to where it made sense for my situation. Right. And that's all so i've i've if you burnt if i did what, what someone else might have heard the first five minutes of this and gone yeah defoo fuck my family and they shut it <laughs> off and they went and they burned some bridges like don't don't i really don't recommend doing that even if your dad is that abusive guy who uh has has beaten you and caused you to have childhood trauma that's gone on in your 20 years of adulthood now and you're 40 if you have to, you have to defoo for real. But maybe there's a way that you can defoo where you don't even talk to them. They don't even need to know that you're doing that. But when it's you not do a declaration them, to be made. You're open-minded that they could quit drinking and they could find their way. Yeah. Or maybe it's not even... Uh, maybe they quit drinking, so you, so you refoo and you're back with them. But you find in six months that they're more abusive than ever. Wait, you just said refu. So now we have defu, refu, and kifu. What was that? Keep. Keeping. Keeping your family of origin. Okay. Um, I'll, but, put, I'll put all this in the show notes. Yeah, make sure it's all there. <laughs> um, but uh, we can call this the Foo Fighters. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Fight, fighting the Foo. Oh. Foo fighting. Um, but uh, Kung Fu. Uh, <laughs> Me groaning sorry. about your jokes, does that make good content? Uh, what I'm trying to say is you, with the scenario of your, your dad's abusive, he gets sober, you start over, you, things seem to be going good, but six months later you find that they're more abusive than ever. Well, they're also only six months in of quitting drinking when they drank for 40 or 50 years. Um, and then maybe you need to defoo again. 
spend some time away and then check in with them. And if they've continued on a path of sobriety and they're like 10 years into it and they're real people again. Well, that's, that's why you don't, that's why there's a sliding scale here of how far back you pull and the way you don't need to torch a bridge. Yes. You just, you just need to say, okay, this person I can't handle right now. I don't have the energy to give, to be helpful to them right now. Um, or our dynamic doesn't allow that. And then, you know, you can come back in and check on things and pull back out again. You don't, and you don't have to make a declaration about it. You don't have to say, this is what I'm doing. You don't have to tell that person you don't want to be around them. There could be a time where you might have to, because that person won't leave you alone. Um, but for the most part, like with parents, it's just like, you know, yes and no answers to questions. And then you, you call and check on them to see if they need anything, their lawn mowed. You know, not, not, um, Hey, what are you doing? You want to come to dinner and, you know, making plans with them and making plans for Christmas and just let all that go and don't stress about it and just be there for the important stuff and don't fucking bother with all the dumb shit conversations that come up that make you feel bad. It's all about the, it's not just where we put our money. It's more about where we put our energy. Yeah. And I think that that's important to protect our energy so you can be that top of that pyramid you were talking about, that we take care of our family so our kids want to be around us. We're not worn out to the point where we can't be good to our kids. Energy and even more, well, it's it's part of what energy is, is intention. Have genuine intention in your actions with your children. Have genuine intention in your interactions with all people. Yeah. And it's going to work out right. Sure. So this was uh, this was a podcast. Yep, this was the world as it was today. Yesterday. On the day we recorded, <laughs> the world as it was on the day we recorded. We should close with that every time. I think that sounds catchy. Yeah, catchy. So catchy. Yeah, I like it. Wait, can we make an acronym for that? No. The world as it was on the. Di- I have to write it down though. I'm yeah, not I can't. I'm not, can't that, those I'm not that smart. In my head. Then I can picture letters in my head as I talk. <laughs> okay. No, right. Well. Take care, everybody. Uh, peace out. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and if you have any uh, thoughts on this, you know, I'm, I'm going to just kick it around. I think I want to open a Telegram group for the world as it is today, and maybe we can get like four people in there. That'd be cool. It would just be um, if you wanted to jump in and, and comment on what our um, what our topic was, I would like to hear people's feedback, and I think that might be an easier way to get that I, open. I think I'm getting in six months that I've been threatening that I'm going to start a Telegram account. You're getting there? I don't know. We'll think about it. Well, if we started I'll, one, I'll start think. Now we're six months. In, we I'll can share one. We it. could have you know a profile picture with our both of our faces, and it could say. I don't want to. I'll be honest. It's all about. I don't want to be logged into that app on any device that I own. I know. I know. I don't, I don't trust it. Yeah, I know. It's funny how that works. But anyway, I'm thinking of trying to find a way for us to communicate better. And um, until then, you can send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter or Chad a DM on either of those as well as an email to greenerpostures at pm.me. Sounds right. And our baby just woke up. Perfect timing. At 1140. This is not normal. He needs to wake up earlier so he can go to bed on time. <laughs> That's <laughs> another right. Peace day. out, everybody. Bye. Love you all.